Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun, a highly requested and a Christmas episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Hey, don't forget, stick around. Our That Sounds Fun Network hosts are going to tell you their favorite Christmas snack. So, stick around for that. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In a busy season where we're shopping and giving and doing a lot for others, don't forget to gift yourself a little time for you too. It could just be an afternoon to rest or being kind to yourself in a hard moment, or maybe it's trying out therapy for the first time. The holidays can bring up all kinds of different feelings, and therapy is such an incredibly helpful tool to process all of that. I have learned so much and grown so much thanks to my counselor. Find some space for yourself and give better help a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. When you're already on the go so much, you don't have to worry about one more place to be because your session can be done right from home. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. We love a quiz and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the show is a guest you've been asking for a long time. Oh, y'all, I pushed the I pushed that Wowie Zowie button three times in this conversation. That is a lot. It is so good. Y'all, Matt has become a staple in the artistic and songwriting community. He's a nine-time Grammy nominee, five-time GMA Dove Award winner, which is just incredible. And you probably know his hit songs like Lord, I Need You that we talk about and Your Grace is Enough that we talk about. Plus, if you're looking for another Christmas song to add to your playlist, I've added it to mine. You can go check out his latest single, Go Tell It, which also features my worship pastor at Crosspoint, Dwan Hill, and the choir room. This is an incredible conversation. I think you're going to love it. I think it is a note-taking episode, so prepare yourselves. Here's my conversation with Matt Marr. Matt Marr, welcome to That Sounds Fun. You are one of our most highly requested guests ever. Oh, wow. Oh, Every time we ask, it is you and Chip and Joanna. <laughs> That's who they want. <laughs> so great. Tell me why. Tell yeah, me why I, it's you I, and Chip and Joe. I, I have no idea. Uh, I have. No, I was going to say I renovated my house a couple of years ago. And when yeah? I when I did demo day, all I thought of was like I get to be Chip Gaines for a day. <laughs> You renovated it yourself. You did a lot of the work. No, no I did no, no, none of it. Demo. Uh, yeah, just yeah, demo. Just yeah. demo. Great. Yeah. yeah. Demo. It was like, oh, would you like it to take a sledgehammer and just uh-huh. work out all your uh-huh. uh, inner aggression? Yes, right. I'll yeah, gladly certainly. do that. Yeah. I have never owned a house that I did any renovation on, and I don't watch any of those shows. Yeah. It's just never. It's just not my vibe. I've just never been into it. It's because it's not fun. Okay, that's why. That's it. That's yeah. got to be it. Yeah. It's just because it's not fun. It sounds fun. Right. But it's not it's fun. Not. <laughs> It's so I have a friend who's doing renovation in his house now, and he's doing a lot of it himself. And when you go over there, you're like, everything is dirty. Out. Everything, everything's it's, out. Yeah, just... it's going to be beautiful, but it just takes so much time. Yeah, I'm it, not patient enough for a reno, Metmar. It always takes longer than anticipated. It always goes over budget. Yeah, it. it uh, you know, for I mean. God bless contractors. Yeah, but a lot of them get into contracting. I'm convinced. Because they're introverts, oh, <laughs> and they don't have the best communication skills, <gasps> okay. which is hilarious. Yeah, because I feel like those are the two most important things that you need. Yeah, yes, is, it's... <laughs> is communicating and managing people's expectations. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And so, but they just want to be alone building. Literally, it's like yeah. I look. I I wire stuff so I can just do this by myself and not talk to anybody yeah. and, and listen to something. And then, in a world where you wouldn't have done this with your life, yeah. Would you? What would you have done? Something of that? Would you have done something where you're making things? Would you have? No. I mean, I think I've always loved uh, storytelling. So I like I was drawn to probably movies. Oh, wow. like I, I probably I might have tried to go into like directing or oh, being a, or being cool. a writer maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like when you're a kid, it's like, uh, I want to be the guy who discovers the cure for cancer. Yeah. I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. Or a Jedi. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Same uh, thing, sure. yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, uh, you see, uh, you know, you see, you see like a politician or like a president on TV and you're yeah. like, oh, that'd be, that'd be kind yeah. of fun. I'll be a president. Yeah. Like, you know, except 
except you didn't realize it's a four-year job, but you have to be in charge of everything on everything. the planet. Right. And, but even, I mean, you grew up in Canada, right? I did. So did you ever, when you were growing up, did you have the like, I'm going to move to America? Or was it like, I'm going to be in Canada forever? Uh, I Up until when I decided to move, it was like, hey, I'm I'm pretty happy here. How old were you? I was 20. Oh, okay. So you were like, I'm going to be an adult in Canada. And I was like, eh, maybe I'll yeah, go try. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I thought I, I'm going to be an adult. Uh, I probably should have thought hey, I'm going to be an adult. Me at 20 should have thought more about being an adult yeah. too. Uh, I wanted to do film scoring. Oh, I cool. had an American mother, Canadian father. They got divorced and I moved with my mom to Phoenix because I was thinking I'm going to stick around here for a year and then I want to go to LA and I want to go to yeah. UCLA or USC. Oh, cool study film scoring. Um, I was a very barely functional music college student, theory and composition major, but not very well applied, I ah. guess I should say. And uh, I was drawn to the idea of soundtracks, the idea of like music uh, serving something or mm -hmm. music accompanying something that... Um, it creates another level of dimension. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing I loved about film. And then I I had a cousin invited me to go to church and all of a sudden In Phoenix. I, yeah, in Phoenix. Wow. And so and her all of her friends were part of like a charismatic community. Uh-huh. That was ninety eight percent Catholic. So they're really the people who I hung out with the first year I was moving. And so while I was getting acclimated to living in the States and then got a scholarship in the jazz department at Arizona State, uh, I was going to church with all these crazy charismatic, charismatic Catholics. Yeah. I have only known those two words went together <laughs> yeah. for four months. Yeah, yeah. You're like I'm so into it. We've never seen one in the wild before. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm like, there are what? <laughs> a friend of mine was speaking. She's like, well in September I'm at a charismatic Catholic conference and I was like, yeah. what can I pay to go? <laughs> because I think that might be what I want the most is oh charismatic my, Catholicism. Oh my goodness. Um yeah so then and then I, but I realized God in a way honored my request because I realized that the music I was making, the more I got involved in ministry, it was, I was still making soundtracks. Yeah. But it was more like the soundtrack to people's lives. Yeah. So working at a church, you know, uh, particularly a Catholic church, you know, there's, it's the three things, you know, baptism, weddings, and funerals. We call it hatch, match, and dispatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fantastic. I've but, never heard that. But when, <laughs> but when you're, when you're doing those things, those are massive touch points in the lives of people yeah. where God shows up in an incredibly profound, mm -hmm. tangible way. And uh, like those those are make it or break it moments. And they yeah. usually both. They usually break you, then make you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And um, so being involved in that, I ended up, graduated from college and ended up in local church ministry on and off for 13 years. And, and out of that, I started writing songs. Did you and your wife get married out there? Did you meet yeah, her in that window? Yeah, we met in 2008, and we're sort of part of the same friend group, and I finally worked up the nerve a year and a half after I'd met her to ask her out yeah. to dinner. Went on one date and was like, oh my goodness, this woman's incredible. Mm. Apparently, I was so nervous, I just talked about ex-girlfriends the whole time. Great. Well which done. Is, yeah, well yeah. Done. Good job there, Sporto. <laughs> the Lord handles yeah, it, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. This is just this proof is, the yeah. Lord handles this it. why I don't give relational <laughs> advice. Uh, that was going to be my next topic. I was going to tell you to t teach me how to do what you've done. Uh, yeah. And so we met and, um, you know, a friend of mine used to always say, because by this point, most of the work I was doing was ecumenical. Mm. And he say, you love Protestants so much, you're probably going to marry one, which I did because wow. my wife's not Catholic. Yeah. And um, and so then we moved to Nashville and we've been here now 11 years. Okay. Teach me about this, about one Catholic spouse and one Protestant spouse. Yeah. Do y'all go to separate churches? No, we go to the same churches. And so uh, it we've been involved in two church communities for Ever since we moved here, almost so that's so cool. Uh, there's a the the Church of the City, which is yep. in Franklin and yep. downtown. Darren Whitehead's been a longtime friend. I love Darren, yeah, and he's coming uh, on the show next year. Oh, amazing! Yeah. He hasn't been on yet. He's like Annie, ever? Come on! <laughs> and I'm like Darren, ever? Make time for me. So <laughs> you're like, listen, I have an Aussie quota. There's yeah, only yeah, so yeah, many yeah, Australian yeah, that's accent, right, that's right. accents per year. That's right. Um, when they first planted the church, we had newborns. And mm -hmm. so we were 
struggling to make it yeah. every week. Yeah. It's a, like I saw this meme once. It was a picture of a newborn child that says, you will not hear a sermon for the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Very true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the rhythm of that we're in now is that we're involved with Church of the City downtown. And then, uh, but also we, uh, our kids go to uh, St. Joseph's, oh, okay. which is in Madison. Yeah. And that's our parish. So every wow. Sunday night for five years, four years now, I've been one of probably three or four musicians that's rotated. It's just piano and voice usually, but playing at a Sunday night Catholic mass that yeah. has contemporary music just for young families. That's so cool. Yeah. I think that is such a um, – I'm kind of – you know, I just spent a couple of months in New York and trying to figure out, like, what happens next. Because yeah. I loved it, but I live here and mm. whatever. The thing the Lord keeps kind of inviting me to is the other option, mm. right? It's not the A or the B. It's the other option. Yeah. And and there seems to be something about him and my very recent experience, so correct me if I'm wrong. There seems to be something about the Lord that is very like – what if I'm doing something you actually don't understand? Mm. What if there's another way? Mm. If you're trying to decide A and B and I'm telling you R. Yeah. You know, I mean, so that feels like a little bit of y'all's experiences. It doesn't have to be Catholic or Protestant. It can be this other path yeah. that meets everybody's spiritual needs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you yeah. not perceive it? Yeah. Um, yeah in, in 2005... It was that was a seminal year in my life. Okay. I um, I'd been to a passion conference yeah. for the first time, and was as a young adult immensely shaped by that movement. Yeah, living in Me Phoenix, yeah. listening to CDs and watching you know video uh, conversations that had to load for a really long time on so bad long. internet. Oh man, so long. That are we? I'm 43. Are we about the same? <laughs> I'm, I just turned 49. Okay, so yes, yeah. I, we are exactly the same age bracket yeah. of like, Passion was telling me things, and sh I didn't have CDs of worship yeah. music no. until that stuff came along. Yeah, so it, you know, but um, I stood in Bridgestone Arena in 2005 listening to 11,000 Baptist, mostly Baptist yeah. college students, yeah. sing a song I wrote on a friend's back porch. Wow. Uh, Your Grace is Enough. Yeah. And I remember going this was not on my bingo card right of things of things that i thought god would do in and through and with my life yeah and it was pretty life changing and yeah. later that spring i did a bible study i was doing a bible study with the college ministry of my church and uh, i did i sort of stumbled onto kind of like the the last major prayers of Jesus before the cross. Mm. So it's kind of like a Lenten reflection. Yeah. And I had never really camped out in the 17th chapter of John's gospel. Yeah. And if you're talking about Christians of, you know, uh, differing opinions or differing fellowships or differing uh, confessions of faith, uh, if if you're going to have a mature conversation about it, that's the starting point mm. because it's the longest prayer Jesus himself prays in the Bible. It's literally in between the Last Supper and him entering his passion, the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. And all he prays for is that his followers would be as close to each other as he is with his own father. Mm -hmm. And I was dumbstruck convicted. I felt ashamed. It's like I've been following Jesus at that point for about a decade, and I've never really contended for this prayer in my own heart and in my own life. Wow. So I was just kind of like walking, feeling like a burden was being placed yeah. in my life and going, oh, what do I do with this? Like, I, who am I? Yeah. And um, a couple of months later, I... Uh, read about a reformed monk, which I didn't even know they had those. Right. His name was Brother Roger. And Brother Roger was the f one of the founders of a community in France called Taizé. Taizé goes all the way back to the end of the Second World War. And in the Second World War, a bunch of monks basically want to go to France because of the war. The, like, the, they, want to, they want to pray for the land and the spirit of the land and the people to be healed oh, because wow. of the amount of conflict this country has faced. 
So they start this community, and a big part of the, the sort of the gift or the charism of their community is they sing. And so they write these songs that are all based on scripture, and it's repetitive. It's like folk songs, but it's it's kind of like it's very reminiscent of modern worship music. Yeah. And so um, wow. when he died in 2005, I found this quote that he read. So this is the point where he says he said this in the Vatican in St. Peter's Cathedral. He said, "I have managed to reconcile the faith of my origins." with that of the Catholic Church, without breaking fellowship with anyone. Wow. And when I read that quote, what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me was, I want you to do the same thing in reverse. Oh, wow. Which is, I don't want you to stop being who you are. It's that I'm a European mutt. You know, I have Irish heritage on my dad's side, Dutch heritage on my mom's side. My mom grew up Methodist. My grandmother uh, was Baptist. Her husband was Jack Mormon, which means they don't go, they don't practice their faith at all. Wow. But my grandmother, who was Baptist, her parents were, or her grandparents were Baptist ministers. Mm-hmm. So I just, what I felt God inviting me to was, hey, your story is a, a story of be who you are, but learn to be reconciled with these other people. Wow. I, I do, I'm doing what I'm doing because of, uh, like I always say, like I'm a worship leader, you know, because of uh, people like Martin Smith and Delirious yeah. and Chris Gosh. Tomlin and Paul Balash and yeah. Matt Redman. So um, I was inspired to do what I do yeah. be, by them. But I, but the greatest thing has been in 20 years, almost in 20 years, almost, it's almost been 20 years of doing this, is that I've never felt once from anyone, hey, we don't want you to be something other than who you are. Yeah. So so I think that that's, you know... But do you feel like your Catholicism is more public than it used to be? I mean, um, well, what I would say is 20 years ago, the state of mainline Christianity 20 years ago right. was considerably different. Mm-hmm. Like, you think about everything that's happened in yes. mainline Christianity in America in 20 years. Right. Like, we've almost systematically watched the like uh a lot of structures of influence and power being i wouldn't even say dismantled they've just a lot of them have kind of just fallen apart yeah, yeah. um and that's the thing even it's like like you know being a catholic uh, you know you look at all the history of abuse and everything in the church and the abuse of power and the abuse of privilege and the abuse of trust and but then in recent years what how that's happened also like in other denominations um, there's a great humbling about mm-hmm. it, you know? And people say, oh, well, God's humbling his church. And I'm like, well, I think that you can be humbled out of this. You're learning from the experience. God didn't want any of that stuff to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't, It's you know what I mean? He went it's, like, you know what will fix the yeah. church if I start making this stuff happen? No, 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 no. 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 The, the, that, the, the, the lesson is this didn't have to happen. Yeah. It did. So... How are you going to learn from it? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I would say one of the things that happened when I first came on in the Christian music industry, there was a thing of like going, "Hey, just don't talk too much." Huh. But it wasn't like I think it was just that like a lot of it's semantics. When you talk about ecumenism and the difference between Catholics and Protestants, like uh, when you're part of a denomination that essentially is a two thousand year old church plant. <laughs> So I tell people, like, when you look at Catholicism, first of all, you have to think, if you planted a church in the middle of the Roman Empire, and then that fell apart, and then another empire rose, and then that fell apart, and then another empire rose, and then that fell apart, and then, like, what would it look like today? Mm. How would the culture around you, how would your efforts to reach people in every language, every Mm -hmm. tribe, every tongue, every custom, how would that inform the decisions you made, obviously, along with... Uh, the Word of God, mm-hmm. and uh, w- with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But that's the thing. Churches don't grow in vacuums. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why mega churches are the way they are today, and it's because of business. Right. You know? Uh, have you ever heard about there was this fabled meeting, apparently, that happened in the 70s in no. Orange County? No. 
apparently it was a bunch of business leaders and they got together with like all of these young pastors. Yeah. And they said, hey, we think we're all believers. We love what you do. We think if you ran your churches more like businesses, you would grow. Hmm. And <laughs> Was that good or bad? <laughs> well, <laughs> Who that, can decide? Once again, that it's like the, these are like that's a level of discernment, right? Of like, right. Uh, which I think to the point of what you're saying of asking, you know, um, well, these are all decisions we can make. And they could have positive outcomes, yeah. but discernment isn't always about like the material end result. Mm. Sometimes when it comes to discernment, sometimes the greater goal is John the Baptist saying, I must decrease yeah. so that he can increase. Yeah. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Nutrafol. Okay, I know you've probably seen Nutrafol everywhere, but there is a reason. It's the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve visible thickness and strength. So if you're tired of dealing with thinning hair, Nutrafol is here to help. Their hair growth supplements use drug-free ingredients to target root causes of thinning hair and promote healthy hair growth. It's really simple to figure out the best plan. You just go to Nutrafol.com, take their hair health wellness quiz. We love a quiz. And they help you identify the causes of your thinning hair and give you a personalized plan for better hair growth through their whole body health approach. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our friends $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code that sounds fun. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com is spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code that sounds fun. Again, that's Nutrafol.com, promo code that sounds fun. And just a reminder, that link and every other link you could ever hope for are in the show notes, or we will send it to you in Friday's AFD Week in Review email. You can sign up to get that as well in the show notes. And one more incredible partner to tell you about, Thrive Cosmetics. Okay, the girls in the office were talking at lunch the other day about going to a favorite things gift exchange, and someone brought Thrive Cosmetics liquid lash extensions mascara as their favorite thing. I'm telling you, it was not me, but it is my favorite thing too. It doesn't smudge or run. It makes your lashes look fuller and longer, and it's easy to take off at the end of the day. It's also available in limited edition holiday packaging, which makes such a fun stocking stuffer. Moms, you deserve to have a stuffed stocking as well. So get you some mascara. Thrive Cosmetics is certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, plus their products are made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. And with thousands of five-star reviews, it is no wonder the turquoise tubes of makeup you see all over Instagram are trending. You can save extra on pre-made sets that include best-selling products like the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara, Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner, and their Luminous Brilliant Eye Brightener. These would make great Christmas gifts or stocking suffers. So give the gift of Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty, that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash TSF. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash TSF for 20% off your first order. Okay, now back to our conversation with Matt. I've been thinking about this with, you and I both have too many friends to count who have right. um, stopped pastoring for one reason or another. A yep. lot of times in a very explosive, everybody saw it on the internet way. And and uh, my mentor and I on Sunday were talking about a friend of mine and uh, about this and saying like, I said, the thing I'm having to reckon is what is the system we've built that is doing this? Mm. Because there has to be something to the system. That is causing. And yet you're right. Catholicism and Protestantism are both very old. And this has happened for a long time. Do we just know more because of the internet? Or has the, has. Yeah. Do we just know more? I think some of it is that we know more. Some of it's that we know too much. Hey, say that. I, I mean, that's the, but I do think like, this is why I tell people, because people are always like, well, you're Catholic. Don't you know the Pope? Or something. Technically and you I'm, do though. I'm like, I don't. But You've met a lot of popes. How many popes? I, but it, they meet a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. It's just, but to be fair, you know the pope. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, um, what I would say is power is a deceptive thing. Yeah. Because um, you can look at one person and say that person has a tremendous amount of power. And they could realize it. And that realization that they have it could be the thing that corrupts them. Mm. 
Or what I always say is that the difference, what Christian leadership should look like is that people who have power immediately divert it. Mm. They just get rid of it. You find a way to disperse it. So, like, the thing I love about this particular pope, um, I don't remember the name of it, but prior to the Protestant Reformation, it was like in 1517 when Luther, you know, and the whole died of worms and nailed treatises mm-hmm. to the door. There and was, we didn't get to read the Apocrypha anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a brief council, and one of the things that was discussed amongst the bishops was should we decentralize the power in the church more? Mm. Because I would say that um, Christian community, the leadership structure is actually supposed to be incredibly flat because it's Christ yeah. at the head, right? and then it's us holding each other accountable. And there are people who need to be in a position where they can make a decision. Mm. Like it, That's just how organizations work. But the ability of other people to speak into that and to have um, a level of transparency to be able to hold leaders accountable, it's really, really important. So I always tell people, the Catholic Church, for all of its flaws that it's we've experienced, you know, which are ultimately uh, its people using their power. Mm-hmm. So in a seminary system, you've got a priest abusing their power and... Um, taking advantage of young seminarians and then them getting power in a church, but also being isolated, inheriting a a position of cultural detachment where it's Mm -hmm. like, we can't talk to you. You wear a a collar around your neck, like you're perfect. And what ends up happening is that we, at some point, the the structure got corrupted um, because we're human, right? right? And, and... So someone said, I'm going to put way too much emphasis on the leadership you have. Like yeah. everyone has le- leadership by virtue of following Jesus. Right. But I, as a Catholic, I do believe that like priests have a unique uh, leadership role to play and I respect it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like with like the pastor of my parish, like we always just kind of check in each other. And, yeah. and there's a level of respect there where I understand the authority ha- he has, but I also want to um i don't want to give him too much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because to give him too much is to is to create a dynamic that could become very very unhealthy right and it has to be true in me too has to be the same thing in all of our churches right like what a pastor's really gifted or a worship leader and it's like you have so much talent you're so great and it's like it's it's great to affirm the gifts in other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, to also look at them and be able to say, you're, you're just a human being like I am. Right, right. And so as much as I'm going to admire the gifts that God has given you, I'm also going to make a conscious effort. Like, it's great to be taken, I think it's great to be taken, like, taken a little bit for granted in mm-hmm. a church community. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. Like, I always say, like, in the kingdom of God, maybe there's no celebrities, maybe we just celebrate uh, everybody. That's beautiful, Yeah. I had the neatest experience when I was in New York. We were eating at an Italian place on the Upper East Side, and a priest was at the table next to us, and a younger man from his congregation, maybe his son, I, well, not yeah. his son, nope, but maybe his yeah. somebody. Um, the waiter walks up, greets him, walks over and gets the man at the table next to him. And my family, it's when my family was in town for Thanksgiving, so it's all seven of us around the table. And... The other man gets up and he walks to the priest and he says, and he's uh, 70, and he says, my daughter is dying at the hospital. Mm. And the priest says, can I pray now? And then all these men in the middle of an Italian restaurant, I mean, I'm going to cry tell you a story. Mm. All these men in a million Ital- in the middle of a Friday night Italian restaurant stand up and pray together. And afterwards, my dad said, would you have done that? Mm. He was like, what's the Protestant version of that? How would a waiter know? Because the priest had his collar. It was, I think it was also his priest because he knew him really well. Uh-huh. But his priest had his collar on. And so everybody knew they could ask him for prayer. Yep. And I just thought, there's power there too. <laughs> but it is. And I, what it's I would beautiful. say, like that, what I would say is that's actually a really good example of what it looks like, I think, when it's done right. Yeah. In the sense that um, the the most am- amazing 
thing to think of is that there's a, there would be a group of people who would be so dedicated uh, to serving Christ in a specific way, not that it would diminish the role that lay people have yes. to function, yes, but that um, like my pastor is the difference. He'll get a call, he'll get a page, or he'll get a, a text now, not a page anymore, at 1 a at 1 in the morning, yeah. and it will say uh, there's someone dying at a hospital, and he'll get up and go. Administer last rites. Yeah. And that level of availability is really, really hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. That could happen every night. It could happen every night. Yeah. So it's really, really hard, but it's really, really important. Yeah. And they know it. And so that's why I always say, like, um, that the role was never, you know, it's a whole other philosophical conversation of, like, how big is a church community supposed to be? Right. You know, the thing I love when you go to Rome is that there's a church on every corner. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was that the early Christians were like, we can't let this thing too big. I mean, they had the Colosseum. Yeah, if right. They, if they, you know, if it if was they like... they wanted to mega church. <laughs> we can get 60,000 people in this yeah, thing. Like, yeah. we can just get them all baptized. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it... But there was something about the intentionality of saying, actually, we're going to try to keep this small yeah. so that everybody is known. Yes, and everybody is seen. And it, it also helps with transparency when it comes to leadership. If, if a community is small, it's actually harder. Um, it, it might be not as easy mm. for leaders to become distanced. And then in that distance, then, you know, they could, they could fall victim in a million different ways. Yeah. Or just make bad decisions. You right. know what I mean? Right. It's just a... Um... It's a beautiful thing to think through. The, the power is actually beautiful to think through, particularly at Christmas, because all Jesus did was came and be like, no, that's not who has power. This is who has power. Yes. That's not who has the power. This is who has the power. Yeah, the, From his birth. Yes. The great thing about the whole story of the incarnation this time of year and Advent is reflecting on the fact that we're waiting. Advent is this dual message of like waiting for Christ to come back. The you know which people think of he's coming on the clouds yeah you know what I mean yeah it's that's he, a good song yeah I mean, Elijah one hundred percent you know but uh, I, I like that the the uh, there's a song the line of the lamb it yeah. was a more recent one uh, yeah. Leland Mooring wrote it uh, uh, and he's, kings and kingdoms will bow down yes every chain will break you know and it's just the, all that image and then he shows up and it's a baby yeah and I love uh, the last pope. And it uh, still panics Herod, by the way. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, the last Pope. Pope Benedict, he said, God becomes a baby at Christmas, so you can no longer fear him. You can only love him. Wow. Wow. But that that shows you what how, how what Jesus does with power, mm-hmm. right? Is he, he could have assumed, he literally just could have come down and just literally took Herod's throne and just established his kingdom right here and there. Yes. But he assumes... The position of the lowest and the most vulnerable, and that you know, in some ways, he gets twelve disciples, and he says, "Go out in my name." Yeah, you know. Yeah. So there's this sense of like empowerment that I think is inherent in following Jesus. That's part of healthy community structures where um, people are being empowered to to offer up whatever meager talents they have, mm-hmm. and it's not about them. It's about building the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and it's not built around a personality, and it's not built around, you know, but it's just sort of built around, it's built around Jesus in, yes. a, in a way, you know? Yes. When you're writing the soundtracks for people's lives, yeah. like you're doing, is this in the back somewhere? Is all of this, like, is, <laughs> because you seem like a, a theologian hidden behind a worship leader yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I mean, I would say... uh Every every personality is different, right? And everybody in their call to sanctity and into following Christ has a different um, kind of uh, leaning towards mm-hmm. when it comes to the spiritual life. That the thing, you know, and this is like one of the things that I learned very quickly when I came back to my faith as a Catholic was there's all these different religious communities, right? Like there's Franciscans and Dominicans and like and uh, you know poor Claire's and Sisters of Mercy, and like, what's the deal with all that? Yeah. And each one, in some ways, is a particular charism or a focus 
on a particular aspect of spirituality. Oh, wow. So they're all, everyone's called to prayer, everyone's called to read scripture, everyone's called to, um, to sort of, you know, be in the life cycle of the church, which is like what I, like the lectionary, yeah. the liturgical calendar. Yes. But like, as you're following God, you start to have a particular, like, gravi- like gravity towards whether it's something that's more charismatic or something that's more contemplative or something that's more focused on, you know, uh, you know, Franciscan spirituality, which is like, you know, the environment and mm-hmm. creation and Dominican spirituality, which is very much like focused on teaching and philosophy, you know, and um, and sort of like more of a cerebral yeah. thing. And I, for me, it is a bit of a crazy mishmash. Yeah. <laughs> I think great. because of my path. So yeah. I came back to God through the charismatic renewal. So I'd never, I never ex- walked into a room and heard a bunch of um, suburban people singing in tongues before. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I did, and I just started crying mm. because I've, I've studied classical music, I've studied jazz, I've studied modern contemporary music, and it was like this was like a whole other. Wow. Category. I'd never experienced anything like it before. Yeah. It was like it was literally like a brand new sound yes. the first time I heard it. Yes. And and I realize now it was because number one, I'd never heard that done like that way before. Yeah. And I've been in chamber choirs where there's like modern composition and people are singing in weird syllables and all sorts of stuff. But this was different because faith was being transmitted alongside it. Oh wow. And that's there's an aspect to music that I don't understand, which yeah. is how does God take the faith of a person and put it in a sound wave? It is. It happens, though. You can have two people sing the same song. Yep. Both really well, both technically proficient. Yep. But one person is thinking of, they're singing out of a particular situation or circumstance or context. And you can feel it. Mm-hmm. It's it's like tangibly different. And I think that happens when y'all record it too. One hundred percent. I mean, when Brooke Lidgerwood's new album, when it plays yep. in my house, yep. that is it shifts something. Yeah. Something shifts. When yep. y'all 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 do that to us. My books, I don't know that books do that the way music does that. But see, I think they could. I think if you were writing a moment, if you're writing a section and something and you were in a creative flow uh-huh. and either it was really uplifting. Or it was deeply emotional. Yeah, I mean, a, a book writers say, if I cry, they cry. Yes. And if I'm writing and crying, readers tell me they cry when they read it. 100%. Huh, that so is the same I, thing. I think that uh, this is just my, this is Matt's I'm personal so theory. We're, we're just two <laughs> charismatic Catholics over here. That's what we are. <laughs> I think, I have no way to prove this, but I think 50% of what people are experiencing is what you experience. It's supernatural. It. It's it's supernatural, but it's it's quantum physics. Ah, so uh, it's quantum entanglement. It's uh, there's a whole theory called superposition. I'm so into this. <laughs> no. Where's my button? I, I need you to know I have a button. Lillian, will you bring Craig? Will y'all bring me the button? I have a mind blown emoji. It's coming. Okay, keep going. What are we experiencing? So there's uh, theoretical physics say that two things could exist at the same time, or or there's lots of theories about time, and that. Um, you know, heaven is outside time. It's out time. You, I, you. you know, I, I wonder if time is actually something that human beings experience because of the fall. So oh, in the Garden wow. of Eden, all there was there was the day. We yes. know that there was ordered day. There was day and night. So we know that. So we know that like the planets are moving and the sun. And some like, sort of season because all of that's, growth. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's happening. But was how we process time with God. Was it fundamentally different? Because uh, I heard someone once say that heaven is is only now mm. because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in Christ, there is there is only the present moment, which is which wow. makes so much sense when he's like, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. It's literally, yes. it's here. This is where the kingdom, the and the activity of God, it's here and now. Mm. That's he's doing stuff. He's ahead of us. We can't experience. You know, you're before and behind me, above and below me. Uh-huh. 
That's all like there's dimensionality and time, and I can't experience it in my mortal frame, but God's there working all things together for his good. And I often wonder if if human creativity and human spirituality, and when we do things in communion with God, if we're somehow tapping into this nowness so that when people and this is a very Catholic idea because it 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 goes into uh, the notion of commu- Eucharistic spirituality or uh-huh. spirituality of communion and uh, Hebrew uh, spirituality when Jesus says at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, hey, think fondly of me when you have your communion. It's that to remember someone in Hebrew spirituality is to pull them into the present. Wow. And so um, the idea of communion is that we are in communion. We are in union with Christ and with everyone who's ever followed him for time memorial. Cool. Every time we take communion. We're with heaven, and it's the one place where heaven and earth, like the veil's lifted, the space is gone, and... um, and all so then all that to say human creativity and the idea that you wrote something and it moved you i feel like half of what sometimes people are experiencing is definitively god and it's only the work of god but it's it's god working collaboratively or it's us working collaboratively with him yeah so people are experiencing the moment that you had with the lord when you wrote that Yes. So like when I wrote, we wrote, Lord, I Need You, I remember sitting around a picnic table with five other songwriters. And um, the, the moments of revelation when we were writing that song, I, and when I recorded that song, I'd sung it a bunch on the road. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it's one of the only times I've ever... Um, played guitar and sang at the same time in the studio. Okay. And yeah, because normally you would record everything separate. Yeah, you do it separate. Okay. Because there's bleed and stuff like right. that. So I, I, it was, it was this experience where I feel like when we have these moments encountering someone else's creativity, we're one hundred percent encountering God, but we're also encountering that person in that moment. In that moment. When they experience the Lord, and that's why it changes things like it does. Yeah, because it, I think it—it's like a—it's a—it's a—it—it it, wow. the offering. The only offering I have is is my is vulnerability. Yeah, like I don't I don't have any. It's like silver and gold. I don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to give to this moment, except um, this this vulnerability, and then that becomes part of the thing that God then turns around. And all, and then he does what only he can do. Yeah, you're you're making me. Well, for stars, you have to hear yeah. the button. It says "Wowie Zowie." <laughs> it's my three year old nephew because it was our whole team, and he erased it, and I made him fix it. <laughs> but it says "Wowie Zowie" because that is you are blowing my mind. Because what that's making me think is next time I sit down and write a book, one of my highest callings is who am I with Jesus as I'm writing? Yeah. Because that is going to be the experience of the reader when they read. And I think that that's... I'm trying so hard not to call you dude. I'm trying to be more respectful, but I'm thinking, dude! You can call me dude. Well, that's, you know, there's all these... Oh, my gosh. There's so many cliches in in when it comes to worship leading. You can't take people where you haven't been yourself, and you can't do this. It's like, no, it's like who you are, and you actually... That's great. I've been carrying around this thought, and you just put it succinctly because you're a book writer. (laughs) Who you are when you do the thing is who you will be when people experience it. Yes, yes. Yeah. That is... So that meant that also, Lord, I need you feels like a song that has been a hymn since the 1800s. Well, so, it, it technically was. I mean, there's aspects of that song that were, um, I need thee, oh, I need thee. We we kind of took that part uh-huh. of that and sort of like put it into yeah, the melody. Yeah, but I mean, it, you're literal. So I'm like, you, I mean, I know you wrote that, but how, what you, do you remember what year you wrote it? It was 2010. That is nuts that that song has only existed 13 years. And I feel like it is in like that. <laughs> 
like the basement of my life. Like I feel like I sang it in middle school and I didn't. <laughs> I did it. But that is hilarious. I mean, that song is so the thing y'all did around the picnic table we experience every time. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that song's an example too. And particularly when you're talking about Christmas and Christmas music, it's uh, music has a singular ability um, to tap into memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, lit- I mean, there's music therapy degrees now where people use music as a way to help patients who are struggling with dementia wow. or Alzheimer's. Uh, there's a video going viral literally right now about a woman. Her husband had dementia. He's on a flight, and he's everybody sings, and everybody starts singing "You Are My Sunshine." You think that's real? That video? Yes. Right? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Because I couldn't tell if it was one of those that, of people making up something on a plane. No, 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 no. Because his his reaction is is genuine. Yeah. I mean, everybody starts singing. I would have bawled like a two year old on that plane if I'd been yeah. a part of that. Um, there's this theologian who's a who's become a new friend named John Swinton, and he. Oh, I don't know him yet. Uh, you're gonna Swinton. know him soon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he he wrote this book on dementia, and he basically talks about how the 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 this and once again this goes back to what we're talking about about Christian community about people being known. The um, it could be that part of the purpose of a Christian community in in a person's life who has dementia is that if when they can no longer hold their memory, mm. everybody else can hold it for that's them. That's it. Yeah, that's right. And that so music has a way of helping hold mm-hmm. people's memories. Uh, so you play a song and immediately, and that I always tell people in worship, every time you sing a song, as much as you'll have old memories, make new memories. Oh, wow. Memorize where you are, what like, you're doing. Make, yeah. yeah, and make a new moment <gasps> wow. with a wow. song when you're singing at a church. Don't just go back to the one that you had. Yes. Because if you find yourself in a position where you've been de- disenfranchised or you've been hurt by the church, then uh, all of a sudden a song, it's like, I can't sing that song anymore because it reminds me of this or it reminds me of this person or whatever. And I'm totally. like, make a new, forge ahead, make a new memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think with Christmas music, it's the same thing. There's so much memory in this music. Yes. It's been around for so long. And that it's always a challenge every time uh, when the season comes back around to, you know, how do we how do we celebrate this thing and remember what we should remember and hold on to what we should hold hold on to, but also how do we make new memories? Right. You're, you're, what's coming to my mind is even the idea of our African-American friends and the spirituals that their ancestors sang yep. and how they are still so connected, how that music for that community is still so important. It's because all of that is right in the middle of it still. 100%. And so that, Wow. That is wild. I have. I bet I've asked no hand to heaven. I bet I've asked fifty musicians. Why does music do to us what it does to us? And you're giving me the answer that mm. I didn't know I needed. That's it. Is that what happens when y'all write it and make it? Is what happens to us when we? But it's also why some songs are dangerous. Why we have to be careful. One hundred percent. Fascinating. Wowie Zowie. <laughs> Wowie Zowie. You got three. That is a lot for an episode. You got to know, Matt Mar. That is a lot. <laughs> Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about one of our amazing partners, Ritual. It is time to talk about taking our vitamins. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin is my pick, and they've seen proven data behind the effectiveness of it. They conducted a university-led clinical trial for it to see how well it worked, and the results showed it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. So I love the idea that that data speaks for itself. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 18 Plus has this minty essence in every bottle. You know I love that. It keeps things fresh. And it helps taking multivitamins every day actually enjoyable. It's made with high-quality ingredients and nine traceable key nutrients. So you just take two capsules a day, and their capsule has a delayed-release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Essential for Women 18 Plus is also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Yes, and thank you. Ritual is all about hot data. Stone-cold facts. Get to know your nutrients on a deeper level with 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun to start ritual or add essentials for women 18 plus to your subscription today. And now back to finish up our conversation. I mean, mind blowing conversation with Matt Marr. That sounds fun. 
Okay, so when we're singing our Christmas, I mean, that's so beautiful because as we're hearing the songs on the radio, as we're going to Christmas Eve services, as we're singing, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him on Sunday mornings, like make a new memory right now with that song that will help move you forward from any of the painful parts. Yeah, as much as, you know, if you need to remember some of those because you can't move forward unless you process it, then do it, Yeah, Um, please. Uh, I always tell people, don't just go back 10 years, go back 2000, like go Mm. back to the first advent, go back to the story of Mary, the story of, you know, Joseph, go back to um, a people waiting 500 years for God to say something. He said nothing. Said nothing. That part, (laughs) that one sliver page in our Bible is not. It is for a process. I think it's longer for y'all. I think there's more pages between <laughs> Malachi and Matthew for you than there is for me. But I mean, that the idea that I, that we are lucky enough that we can sit down this morning and read scripture and experience the Holy Spirit and the yeah. Lord, and they did not hear anything for hundreds of years. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't imagine. It's, I mean, 500 years, I mean, it's a long, long time. Yes. Older and, than our country. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So going back that far and then, um, yeah, and then I think also, uh, you know, as you kind of, you know, the the whole purpose of Advent, I think, in some ways, is that I always say human, I think if you took Christianity and you put it in a vacuum, left it alone to develop, I think a ritual, people would form rituals because mm-hmm. I think that's inherently who we are. Mm. Uh, so I say as humans, I think Christianity yeah. is inherently liturgical. Ah, okay. Part of it being uh, because it's tied to the gospel. So the word liturgy means is a Greek word, which was two words, uh, which meant like basically a public work, the work ah, of the people. Okay. And you know the work of the people in a Christian sense is is really just declaring the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. But how we declare that work uh, and the intentionality behind it yeah. uh, is basically why there's things like candles and stained glass windows and smells and bells, as mm-hmm. I like to say, and mm-hmm. seasons. And, you know, that, you know, when you asked me what's changed, you know, 20 years ago, there weren't uh, a ton of Advent resources. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like Advent's like the new pumpkin spice latte. I, like, truly. <laughs> Advent and Lent. All us Protestants are getting on throw board. Throw a bit of Advent on calendar. it. Yeah, that's exactly right. You are not wrong. Which which is great because yeah. because that's my, I think my point would be because I think it's inherently part of who we are. Mm. And I think uh, the incarnation of Jesus has a lot to say not just about our future, but about how we're living our present. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus said, "I came that you might have life and have it abundantly." Yeah. So, what would the what would the calendar of our life, what would the order of our lives look like if Christ was involved in all of it, mm. not just on a Sunday? But I mean, that's the thing. You know, there's nobody. Um, I heard a recent song from a new younger worship collective, and they called it Monday Morning Faith. Uh huh. You know, and I'm like, that's it. That's yeah. the, that's a, that's an expression saying, I, I want my life to be ordered, in a way that isn't just an hour, yeah. on the Sunday, but yeah. it's going from Sunday to Sunday, yes. to the next one. Yes. You know, and that's what the season of like Advent. We I always joke and say we do we if we don't as Christians, uh, if we're not going to be intentional about how we journey towards Christmas, uh, our, I mean, secular society has developed a journey towards yeah. Christmas. Yeah, that's exactly it's right. It's incredibly materialistic. Yes. And it uh, is scheduled out. And it, But it's 100% yes. scheduled it out. Yeah, so you're right. So it, you know, uh, I'm tomorrow afternoon. It's like, I'm, I'm touring right now. And so it's like, we're going to go get our tree. Yeah. And, um, it, it's funny, like as I kind of wrestle with it because to me it feels it still feels too early to decorate a tree. Oh, okay. As a Catholic, even though it's already December, it's December. But as a Catholic, I would go like, uh, growing up, uh-huh. we didn't deck, we didn't put up our tree till like December the twentieth. <gasps> really? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. So you were really just kind of like hankering for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, my kids would just, they would tar and feather. It would be bad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what I want the church to do, both your church and my church. I love Advent and Lent. Mm. I want us to get on board that Christmas tide, Easter tide train. I mean, I would say, so in, in my church, uh, yeah, that I tell my kids Christmas is not a day. Yes. It's a season. All the way till Epiphany. And I, I all, love Epiphany. All the way. Yeah. So, so I, I tend to, I keep playing Christmas music. We keep the tree, tree up until Epiphany. Yeah. I mean, there's been some years where my wife's like, look, if you turn on a light near this thing, it's going to catch on fire. <laughs> it's so, it's so, we, we had a bag of sugar at the start. Yeah. Of, it's all gone. We gave it to the tree. You're like, Just tell to it to the, the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's the three wise men's 100%. Fault. It's their timing. I love, I'm doing the same thing. Epiphany this year falls on a Saturday. It's our first podcast episode of the year. Oh, I always amazing. do like an essay and talk about what's happening in the year. And I'm taking my tree down on Epiphany. I love it. It's going to be a good Sabbath Saturday to take our tree that, down. That is really good. So, yeah. Yeah, keep it up till Epiphany. Okay, tell me. Let me. This is the last question I'm going to ask you. There's so much we didn't cover on my list. <laughs> so, will you, well, my first question would be: Will you please just come back? Sometime? Of course. Just, I mean, you let me know. What an honor! What an honor to get to chat with you. I learned so much today. Um, we are asking everyone who's coming on at Christmas: What are the snacks around your house? What are your holiday snacks? Oh, holiday snacks. Uh, I would say um, nuts. Yeah, just any kind. Uh, cashews. Oh, almonds. Wow. Um, this is you thought we were divided on Catholicism and Protestantism. Cashews and almonds. Cashews is, really, is where I'm yeah. out with you. I'm in on Mary. I'm in. I'm like I'm learning a lot. Cashews. I cashews cannot get on board. I look. Growing up in Newfoundland, I did not. That's the only time I ever saw cashews was Christmas. Oh, okay. I got in my stocking. Yeah. I got a giant orange. Oh. Because it's the dead of winter. Nothing yeah. grows. Yeah. So I was like, well, how did this even get here? Like, yeah. like. Right. And then a can of cashews. So that's like the Christmas treat. I only ate them more. at Christmas. Yeah. Now the problem is, is I don't drink dairy. So now it's just like another nut right. that right. someone's <laughs> trying to milk for me. That's right. That's right. It's just another option <laughs> Yeah, at well, Starbucks. 100%. Right. It's ruined the mystique of cashews. Oh, <laughs> oh I just think they're too soft. It kind yeah, of ruins it, my it, life. It the is. The softness it's, of it. I'm like, yeah. you're, are you rotten? No, <laughs> this is just you. I'm out. I'm out. Um, Matt, so you'll be on tour next year. Yeah. There's a Christmas song out this year called Go Tell It with our friend Dwan, my my worship pastor at Crosspoint. Oh, yeah. Hill, Wonderful. And the choir room. So everybody, we'll make sure we link to all that. I have a Christmas playlist yeah. it's on. So the, the cool thing about that, because we were talking about spirituals, that's, yeah. that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, was published in Nashville. Really? By the Work Brothers at Fisk University. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean... A hundred years ago? How long you think? Nineteen. Well, the 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 was it was volume two of New Jubilee songs. I yeah. think it was, and it was nineteen oh six. But wow. some people say it was first discovered right at the end of the Civil War. Wow. Well, I'm so glad y'all record. Dwan Hill is one of my favorite people. He's incredible. Uh, he's and, amazing. And what he's doing with the choir room, yeah. I think, is really really profound. You know, a lot of people who have kind of like drifted away from church. Yeah. Uh, are sort of finding their way back in um, at least to a choir room yeah. and sort of experiencing that gift. I mean, that's the thing about Christianity is we're probably the only, one of the few groups, if not the only group of people in Western civilization that every seven days we get together and a big part of what we do is we sing. Yeah. Which is why it's so important if you're listening to this podcast that you sing on Christmas at your church. Mm. I don't care how bad your voice is. Yeah. If you're willing to make a fool of yourself, you're giving other people permission around you to do the same thing. That's right. Okay. Merry Christmas, my friend. You too. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. So grateful. You guys, isn't he amazing? Oh my gosh, I learned so much. I talked about that conversation all night last night. I mean, everyone I saw at this Christmas party, I talked about some of what Matt said to us. I just loved it. So smart, so helpful. Hey, make sure you go check out Matt's new Christmas single, Go Tell It. Add it to your favorite Christmas playlist, just like I did. And check him out when he's on the road. He's traveling now. He'll be out on the road in 2024. Make sure you're following him on social media. Tell him thank you so much for being on this show and how much we got to learn today. 
And if you have any questions from this episode, just drop them in the Q&A box on your Spotify app if you're a Spotify listener or send them to us on Instagram at That Sounds Fun Podcast. We'll try to answer them there. Make sure you're following over there too because there is a lot of fun stuff happening on that Instagram account. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, back in Nashville. Anywhere you need me, that's where you can find me. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is going on a walk at Radnor Park. It is cold, but it is sunny. I am heading to Radnor. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here on Thursday. We are talking gift giving and how to shop for others and ourselves from one of my favorite influencers and Instagram follows, Sabrina Chasen. We'll see y'all on Thursday. Hi, my name is Bianca Waters Oltoff. I'm host of We're Going There podcast and my favorite holiday treat. Some people might not know what this is, but bear with me. It's called a tamale. It's a Mexican wrap. You can actually eat it as an entire meal. It's delicious. Most people will call it like a tamale, but it's it's a corn like corn dough, if you will. And then you fill it with a bunch of different types of meats and sauces. You wrap it back up, you steam it, and oh my goodness, it is divine.